Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. All right, so good morning. And it's going to be a fun episode today because we are doing another mailbag. You guys liked that one a lot last time, so we had lots of people sending questions. We have quite a few questions to run through today. Definitely going to, most likely going to be two parts Um in this one because we have a lot of ground to cover. So yeah, let's get into the questions. There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their un- upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Uh, Yeah, but before we do that, a brief bit of news. Uh, As we've we've been expecting, the the Jonathan Kuminga reclassification from high school class of 2021 to 2020 seems to be here. He showed up on... uh, the Patrick school's graduation ceremony. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it seems that, that that's finally here. Um, you know, fingers crossed. He, he goes to Texas tech uh, and that will kind of be featured actually in some of the, the mailbag questions, I think for me at least. Um, but there's definitely a lot of G league noise. So could be another huge prospect going to the G league there. And I mean, I, I think that there's probably some split over that. But I mean, for, in my opinion, he would be the best prospect on that G League team if he uh, if he ends up there. Yeah, agreed. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's assuming he does end up at the G League because, like, yeah, I mean, at Texas Tech, he'd be the guy with the ball in his hands. But but he's going to have to play some off ball um, with the G League team if if that's where he ends up. So it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. Really. Yeah, there's some more things I want to say about that, but I'll save it for... Actually, I think it's our first question. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go into that. So Yeah, let's get to it. So PD, um, friend of the program, multi-time guest uh, at Above the Break 3 on Twitter, asks what the most influential development context is for a 2021 prospect. Um, And I, I... I had a few things, but I guess just to get started with Kuminga, uh, I think going to Texas Tech would be great for him. Uh, like, he, I mean, he doesn't need like their crazy strength and conditioning because he's yeah, he's, an he's already there. Freak, but I think playing defensively under Chris Beard would be very good for him. Then again, I mean, we just saw what Jamias Ramsey looked like under Chris Beard. 
But um, yeah, I think that he, just he has tools and his giant. Yeah, I mean, Beard, just Beard's history of, of putting these these uh, wings into really positive developmental contexts, um, I think would be very good for Kaminga. Be very good for his stock. Like if he if he picks Tech, I would bet pretty heavily on him to be the number two overall pick. Um, so I I would really like that to happen. Um, meanwhile, I mean, if he goes to that G League team, is he is he the best decision maker? of the guys that they've added i i think um it's probably like a wash between him and jalen green honestly yeah in my opinion i mean nick is, is probably not... a little better than them but also close it, it's, it's gonna be good. really rough they're they're like, not good decision makers um like, like i mean kaminga's never really played with someone who's like like serious other creator i mean rj davis on in uibl is a yeah. solid passer but nothing special and kaminga had the ball in his hands most of the time anyways nobody at the patrick school uh, it's really helped him there and then in the g league i mean nicks is a good passer but again, he's a really um, good passer but Nick's he's a, not exactly a reliable decision maker like no, he, does, he makes lots of bad decisions yes. um i'm just fascinated to see who they surround these guys with because like obviously it's a totally new developmental context like yeah. i feel like that's definitely the highest leverage one just because for I mean, sure. we don't know what it's yeah. going to look like. We don't know how they're going to be surrounded. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting a little concerned with the, just like the level of IQ they're assembling on this team. It's, it's yeah. not super high. Um, I'm kind of afraid it's going to turn into just your turn, my turn with Jalen exactly. Green. Th- and this Kaminga. team needs, maybe Nick's gets a turn. Maybe Todd gets like a 17 footer once in a while. I got uh, Kai Soto is going to get pushed into the background most likely. Cause he's yeah. just not as good as this the other team guys. needs like Tyrese Halliburton as a link <laughs> like or like I, yes. I to get someone who's in that class like this team needs Scotty Barnes like it, it just needs yeah. someone who's like really steady and intelligent and is gonna try yeah. out defense absolutely yeah I mean it's gonna be fascinating to watch and to see I, I mean hopefully they can you know they'll have lineups with some better playmaking veterans if if they can actually find veterans who are willing to invest in this program and 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 mentor these guys and have some have some more lineup flexibility because like that five man lineup of potentially Kaminga Green Knicks Todd and Sato is concerning to me in quite a few ways. I mean, on both ends of the floor. So. Yeah. Did Did you have any anything else for this question? Yeah, I had quite a few. I had a couple. Like I said, a list. Um, the other one, the other like big one was all the Duke guys. Yes, that's what I had. I had really? I had Dukies. Yeah, yeah. because their their right. roster construction next year is so it's so weird. weird. Because well, just just the sheer level of like high level talent. I mean, I mean, not even counting the. I mean, well, you you have the incoming guys. So you have Jalen Johnson, who's this who is the the high profile guy, going to be a one of them for sure. And then you have Jamin Brakefield, um, DJ Stewart, and Jeremy Roach, who are all guys who could be first-round level guys. And then you even have Matt Hurt and Wenzel Moore, who are who are high-level recruits and guys who are ranked highly by many, looking to potentially bounce back. So even oh, and Henry Coleman, who is who's who's a talented big man and going freshman. So that's that's a lot of mouths to feed. So and Coach K is not exactly the most um, creative, I guess, coach <laughs> in the world. So like. He, like I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid that he's gonna chuck all of these guys on the floor and say go. I mean, yeah, I mean the, it, it's so much talent, but it, it, it's gonna be weird. The it's, concern it's to be me bad for a lot of guys. The concern to me is that they're like all forwards, and only hurt is like a super reliable sh- shooter. Um, and yeah, we've seen K not be um creative, uh, flexible. <laughs> 
So like I I don't like it's a really, really tough group to get to work, but like I would think you'd want to be very very like role malleable. So you'd want you'd want Jalen Johnson playing as like a point five, pretty much, and then and then hurt you know I guess playing the four then, and at least Stewart is like a is a really really awesome shooter, but. I mean, you run into problems if you're if you're gonna have lineups that have like Wendell Moore, Jalen Johnson, and uh, Jeremy Roach on the floor at the same time from a shooting perspective. I mean, good lord! And that's not even gonna happen because there's gonna be an actual big man out there. Yeah, I mean, at um, least they're gonna. I mean, they have Jamin for some size and shooting versatility. But yeah, I mean, like they're only real like like they have Mark Williams who played at IMG, who's not who'll probably be a solid college player. Um, I guess like Henry Coleman is. It's a big man, but they and like they're gonna play true bigs because that's what Duke does. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch and see how they actually roll out lineups. I mean, what is your like ideal five for Duke? I, I was thinking about this too. Um, what is your ideal five? I I think it's like Jalen Johnson as a point five, hurt at the four. I'm going backwards for some reason. I guess. Yeah. Um, probably Wendell. I guess at the three. Um, and then I would want Stewart, like, I guess, offensively playing as like an off guard. And then I don't know who the fifth guy is. Just someone. Yeah, I thought, I thought Stewart, uh, Breakfield, um, hurt, uh, Jalen Johnson and someone who's escaped my mind. Who am I missing here? Um, um I don't know. Is Jack, is, is know. Jack White, um, a senior or did he just graduate? I I I think he was a senior. I mean, he's been around forever. Yeah, I, I know. Like. The, the thing with me is like I think yeah, Jack White just graduated. Okay, the the lack of shooting again is gonna be tough. Um, I like Jalen Johnson is really interesting. Like I think that that he probably is like large enough and enough of a defensive yeah. playmaker that he could act. He could be like the big man in a, in a bunch of yeah, lineups. He could but play it's, five, reliably. but it's not gonna happen. It, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's Duke. It's not gonna happen. Um. Yeah. So yeah, so I had a I couple think... more. Yeah. Oh, you have more? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I like more, just like very brief ones. Okay. One. Um. I, I'm very sad that Greg Brown is stuck at Texas because <laughs> he has no one to throw him lobs, and he's probably going to get stuck at the three, and 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 that's going to be problematic because he's very much not a three. And then Terrence Clark at Kentucky, who has never really played off the ball, and has like evident problems when he's not touching the ball. Um, despite the roles he plays in, and he's going to be forced to play off ball Kentucky. And I mean, that's, I don't, I think the adaptation could be kind of rough for him there. I'm, I'm really concerned that like at the beginning, BJ is going to be the one who's forced off the ball and they try to play Clark on the ball oh, before they realize that it. Clark can't do stop that. Stop it. <laughs> I'm so worried about that, man. I, I really, I wish BJ was not going to Kentucky. All right, so with that, let's move on to our next question, which is from our friend Francis at Ben Thrifty on Twitter. Which part of your normal philosophy has bent the most from evaluating this current class? So I'm I'm usually like a draft good players type of guy. Um, and so this year, the lack of good players makes that difficult. And I've got like Ant number one, RJ Hampton in the top 10. Um, so the thing that, that like is interesting to me is – whether or not this is going to be a trend for me or if it's just an aberration this year with a lack of good players, I feel like it's more of like an appreciation that you do actually need to chase high-end outcomes instead of 
you know, drafting guys who, who don't necessarily have that like franchise changing potential. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves going forward, but definitely like shying away from that this year, just with a lack of, of guys who I'm really confident in as very good basketball players. Yeah, I said a similar thing in like a different way, like more focus on like creation leading to high end outcomes instead of just like draft good players. Like, like is I, I, I mean, like I said, part of that is a function of class. Like, there really aren't guys like Grant Williams and Brandon Clark and even Culver in this class. I mean, yeah, th- those guys aren't there. But like, and the ones that happen to be intriguing are guys that are that are guys who have these tail end creation like punt upsides. But I mean, I think that's already like kind of trickled into my valuation for next year because i mean with bj boston and Kaminga for me as the two three um next to Cade in 2021 i mean i don't think that's uh an evaluation i would have made last like if if this class was following the 2019 class because i've definitely changed my my valuation of what is really important in shooting for these stars and and high-end outcomes and well like traditional like, like, I'm still a, a massive proponent of things like feel for the game, strength, these untraditional means of finding star power um, when you have guys that are just so potent um, as creator. Because, c- I mean, creating advantages is really the way that the offense is generated in the NBA, whether it's pull-up shooting or dribbling or outlier, outlier strength and physical tools. Yeah, that's just a really important thing and something I'm probably going to continue to value more than I did before as – as the classes go on, however long I do this for. Yeah. I mean, we, we have our takes on, on 2021, but I mean, so much is going to change. So I think it'll be key to see where we end up on Usman Garuba, Scotty Barnes, like those types of guys that are the, the star role player uh, sort of conception of upside yeah. as opposed to the, you know, Kuminga, Jalen Green creators. Um so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm 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 definitely open to the idea that this is not a bending of my normal philosophy so much as an evolution of it, but definitely yeah. has emerged this year. Right, and um, that was a good question. Next from uh, our friend at Jake in the Paint, um, if you could pick any five players from the 2021 class to make a dream starting lineup for the G League, who would it be? And not all of these are going to be 2021 questions. There are just a few of them in there. Yeah, but we do have quite a few, and 2021 is is in vogue right now, so we appreciate these questions. All right, but yeah, um, th- this was a fun one. I enjoyed thinking about this. So, all right, so my first, my, my backcourt is Cade and BJ Boston. I'm going to wager that's also your backcourt. Um, um, at least you I have, have both, both guys. I have both of those guys. They're not okay. technically my backcourt. Okay, and then, and then I have Moses Moody. Um, to pair with Cade because they're just an unfallibly fun pairing, and then I have Greg Brown because Cade needs someone to throw lobs to. <laughs> um, I, I can't get enough of, of them at with Texas Titans, and I'm just imagining them with a good surrounding core. And then I like I decided to go small because there wasn't a true big I I really wanted for fun, and I debated between Jalen Johnson and Scotty Barnes, and I ended up on Scotty Barnes just because I think I enjoy watching him a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's my five, not a super exact science, very, very good roster that also happens to be, would be incredibly fun to watch. Yeah. Mine is Cade, uh, Jalen Suggs, BJ, oh, Suggs the good one. uh, at the four Coleman Hawkins and oh. then, yeah, my yeah. guy, my guy. Um, and I then at, yeah, at center, I went totally unrealistic and went with Usman Garuba because, oh, come on. 
and then and then wait and then because we're 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 going like totally off the wall here my sixth man is uh deuce mcbride yeah (laughs) and i i put as a note that i considered moses moody at the two um obviously a very very good backcourt with um with Cade and i i guess that like i in the end went with Suggs because I care a little bit less about size, positional size at the two when you have Cade at the one. Cause I mean, you know, he can guard whoever. Yeah. Um, I want Moody for shooting just cause I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a cause... pretty big believer in Suggs as a shooter. Probably not to yeah. the extent of Moody, but um, yeah, yeah I, I believe in Suggs. Yeah. And I am as well, just cause I mean, considering how having him in my second tier and in, in the top five, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to really argue against Moody. who's just yeah amazing. Yeah, but I mean the the, the, Cade, the Cade Suggs BJ Garuba group defensively. Okay, well Garuba's not. Uh, yes, I, I'm allowed to. He's in 2021. I, I, it's okay. I guess I didn't even consider him because I was like, oh, he doesn't count. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. I mean Garuba and like that would be that would be pretty ridiculous. Yeah. All right. I, I do think we should move on to the next question now. Yep. All right. So this is from a friend Mike. Um, at Mike Roth OU, when evaluating high school 2020, uh, he, he says Cade, Jalen Green, etc. How much stock do you put in EYBL compared to high school, knowing EYBL was 12 months ago and players could have developed throughout the high school season? Yeah, I put a lot of stock in all of the uh, shoe circuits because they're the only place where you can find even somewhat reliable stats. It's a standardized competition level. Um, I, I mean, I think guys know that that it's you know going to be a very scrutinized time. It's you know when your competitive juices are probably at their highest when you're going up against all the best players in your class. Um, so, but I mean, if you watch if you watch that, if you watch a guy's you know EYBL tape and then his senior year of high school tape, and he's way way better in concrete Jaylen ways. Green. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Green is a, is a good one I, uh, because I mean, he got a lot better as a decision maker. Um, like those those things matter. Uh, but in, in general, you have to put a lot of stock into the, into the AAU circuits because it's, it's the only place where you can, you know, be sure of competition level where you can get, you know, stats that don't have a great sample size, but a lot better than, than whatever you're getting from high school. If you're getting anything like, I don't know, even, even for a powerhouse like Montverde, like what you can, you have stats from like city of Palms for them. And then otherwise, are there any available stats for Montverde and that's like the, down, yeah. that's like the most recognizable high school program in the country that was just like one of the most dominant you know high school teams we've we've seen and you still can't find stats for them and I mean stats aren't everything but but they are important um so I think I put a lot of stock in that uh both because of the the availability of stats I mean availability of tape and competition level um but yeah, I mean, it's always it's always important. We 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 talk about it a lot to you know see guys in multiple contexts. So tracking development, especially for players so young, is, is definitely huge. So if you see a huge, if you see qualitative differences between how a guy is playing between uh, AAU and and his senior year of high school, that matters a lot. Like I mean, Jalen Suggs is another one where he got yeah. way better as a shooter uh, between you know FIBA and and AAU and his senior year of high school. Um, yeah, I mean, I, oh. 
No, no, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. Like, I am in full agreement. EYBL is super important just for that standardized level of competition. And even though, like, people, I've, I've heard some people argue against it, saying it's like a small sample. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like twenty ish games, but so is the high school season. It's it's not that much longer. And again, the the much better competition matters a lot. And that like diversity of samples goes 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 the other way. I mean, a guy that we'll talk about, I'm sure, um, a guy we talked about in Kaminga, who I mean, if you watch him with the Patrick School. He, his feel and his passing is absolutely atrocious. I mean, he, the ball sticks to him like glue. But, I mean, in quite a few games with um, New York Renaissance, he like actually makes some pretty impressive passes. Um, I mean, not great, but much better than he did um, in, in, college, in high school. And it's much impo- more important to understand that that's a far more competitive context and a context where he's not like the only competent basketball player on his team or where teams aren't going to triple him every play. So just having that just I mean we're big proponents of, of of watching players in as many contexts as possible uh but I think we we're, we're in agreement that EYBL is the most important context to get if if you can so um oh, yeah. next we have from at Carter Young 340 are there any two prospects that have complementary skill sets that would allow them to thrive on the same team yeah I had two pairs um, but I went with like guys that like realistically could like could actually pair based on draft slots. So I, I didn't pick like like Lamelo and and Ant, just like for example. <laughs> yeah, so I, my I, first I, one. I stayed away. From yeah, them as well. my my first one is Lamelo and Kyra, because I, I mean. Because I mean, at least immediately, the issue with Lamelo is going to be his ability to get into the paint with his lack of physicality and maybe create those those drives and 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 that rim pressure that he's going to need. And that's where Kyra, as kind of we've talked about, is like like an off ball, closeout attacker, secondary kind of guy. Someone is going to put a ton of pressure on the rim. Someone is also going to space and hit spot ups. And I I really like those two guys on the floor. Um, Maybe not together, but yeah, I mean, on the floor together, creating advantages for each other because, of course, Lamelo's passing is going to create chances for for Kyra. And then the other two I had were. Wait, can I can um, I go over one oh, of mine first? Yeah. Because it's it's really similar to yours. I had Lamelo and Devon Dotson. Oh, um, yeah. Which I, I I like a bit better. I think it's more realistic. First of all, like Dotson could be an early second, whereas Kyra, I think I think probably ends up being like a top twenty or so pick. Yeah. Um. But Dotson is a guy who can defend point of attack, um, shoot spot ups, generate some rim pressure. Uh, I think he's a really nice compliment to Lamelo and pretty realistic from a draft range standpoint. Um, but it's the same sort of idea as Kyra. Uh, I like I like it a little bit better. But I, I think I even thought about the the Kyra um, compliment because uh I, I think that's the sort of thing you're looking yeah. for with lamel someone who can defend point of attack and play off the ball as a guard yeah all right and then my next pair was um was onyeka okongwu and malachi flynn just just as like i would very much enjoy seeing that pick and roll duo um just as like probably the best role man in in the class and you know onyeka someone who's going to be great from there from the beginning and then malachi flynn who's one of the best pick and roll passes in the class who's not like Lamelo and not going to go in the top five. Someone who you could easily get in the second round and like pair with Onyeka off the bench and just like run pick and rolls forever and, and just I, have a good time. I have a kind of crazy one along those lines that wasn't actually in my notes. Uh, how about Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman? <laughs> no way. You get, get, them, get them both in like the second round and you have a great pick and roll oh, duo there. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I, I, I would love to see that happen one day. So, you know, some NBA <laughs> team make, make it happen. You know, make we need, our need those, those Jersey photoshops where <laughs> they're on the same team. <laughs> Uh, all right, some of you talented listeners make that make that happen <laughs> um do, do you have any more because i have one more real one no go yeah, um okay so it. my other one is not like an on-court thing it's much more oh. of a team building one uh and it's one that we've talked about a lot in the past and it's james wiseman and xavier tillman oh yeah um so yeah we've we've talked about this a fair amount don't need to go into it in too much depth uh go check out I think like all of our episodes with PD, we've talked about this, but um, Wiseman as the higher minutes, regular season player, Xavier Tillman playing higher leverage minutes would like it. This idea a lot more if Wiseman would cost you like the 18th pick as opposed to the fourth. But if Wiseman costs you number four and Tillman is like 37 or something like that, I think that actually makes sense as a, as a nice compliment from a team building perspective. Obviously they wouldn't play together though. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I think that's good. So we'll go to our next question. Um, friend of the program, Jackson Frank at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Who are some guys outside of the top 25 on mainstream or your boards that could return lottery value in the right team context and development system? Okay, I went um, by ESPN's board, but actually the first, yeah, actually, actually all of these guys are outside my lottery as well. Um, in all caps, Grant Riller. Like, Grant Riller, I think, is the obvious answer to this. Has um, very real, I think, star creator upside. Have some concerns about um, the the pull up jumpers uh, not being quite at that level, but just a dominant uh, slasher, dominant athlete, so explosive. Um, very, very concerning that he was as bad as he was defensively as a twenty three year old in the CAA, but. Just I, when you're talking about returning lottery value, you're probably talking about about a guy with creation upside, and Grant Riller has that in a way that I think no non-lottery prospect does. Uh, and he's 39 right now for ESPN. Uh, I like right around 20 for me. I think similar range for you. Um, I also I'm, have higher than that even for me. Okay. Uh, I also have Xavier Tillman at 49. I think if Xavier Tillman learns to shoot, then he's probably returning very high value in this class. Could just be a pretty um, optimal modern big man. I have Isaiah Joe, who's at 60 for ESPN. I don't. I think he's a pretty long shot for this. But uh, I mean, if he if his body develops and and with that, you know, you have increased efficiency from three his just his intelligence his um you know his ancillary skills as a passer and handler and even space creator on the ball uh could definitely see him returning good value in this class and then i've got tyler bay who's 28th for espn um again probably a bit of a long shot but just really high level defensive impact as a help defender uh really impressive athlete and i mean if he if he hits a high end as a shooter like I mean, we saw all of his movement shooting flashes yeah. at Colorado. Yeah. If, if Tyler Bay is a movement shooter, I think he's probably returning lottery value in this class. Um, but it, yeah, another guy who like has to develop a lot offensively would have to take strides as a passer, would have to develop his body, but uh, could could see it happening and and is currently like a fringe first type. Yeah, I also had Riller, Tillman, and Bay on my list. Um, I had two more guys. Uh, the first one is Killian Tilly who, if he's able to stay healthy, I think is a very obvious candidate to return lottery value. I mean, 
it's like we've talked about in the past it's kind of imperative to go in with the assumption that he's not going to be healthy just because even before his time at Gonzaga he's been marred with with, with injuries but it if he can put together a stretch of good health, I mean, bigs at genuine big sized guys with, with his level of shooting, passing ability, um, even like some of the mobility has been zapped by the constant injuries, but he still moves like I'd say like about average or above for, for a guy his size, really smart defender, someone who impacts the game in a lot of ways. And if he can stay on the floor is going to be a guy who can turn lottery value in a bad class. And then I have Nate Hinton as someone who, if, if I think, who, if he shoots, um, this is a, another kind of long shot one. Someone who is, is going to be an awesome defender at his size, and someone who, if if he if he learns to shoot and if he becomes reliable there, could could sneak into a lot of value in a class that doesn't really produce much. It's just a valuable kind of like combo guard, small wing type. Um, but, but again, another long shot. Uh, for ben, if if Nate Hinton grew three inches overnight, where would you have him ranked in, on your board? Oh my god! If Nate, um, like, like, like top ten probably. Yeah, I would have him top ten also. I mean, he's just like a pretty ridiculous defensive prospect. If he's six, oh, eight. if Nate Hinton is six eight, uh, I mean, it's like considering like even like some of the creation flashes he shows. I mean, he's got he's got a quick pull up, like he's yeah. I mean, that, God, that, that would be he, he he he'd be like the best rebounder of all time. Yeah, he would be the best rebounder ever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'd take him top ten if he was six eight. If only we can hope there's another growth spurt in for Nate. <laughs> All right, so um, I think we're getting to the next. Good for the next question. Yeah. Yep. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their un- upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. All right, so this one is well, two people asked like a similar version of the same question. Uh, uh, it was Will. Will is Ha Hill, um, apologies there, and our friend AZ Sports Zone. How many players in next year's class would you take first in this year's class? Okay, before answering this, I'm going to shout out our episode with Ross again. Go listen to our 2021 preview. I think it's episode four. Yes. Um, we covered all literally everyone. Um, okay, so the guys I would definitely take, uh, Cade Cunningham, BJ Boston, Jonathan Kuminga, and then my maybes were – all three Jalen's, so Jalen Green, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Suggs, uh, Zaire Williams, uh, Jaden Springer, Evan Mobley, and Usman Garuba. So I've got 10 total in consideration. Three definitely. Um, I think the final total would be like four or five. I'd probably lean no on most of the maybes. But um, for for those those first three, definitely. And point is there are a lot of guys like it it, it would be tier one for me this year yeah yeah so again my my absolutely definitely is um Cade Kaminga BJ Boston all for sure I also had Jalen Suggs in that tier I'd also pretty comfortable do him um and then in my in consideration I had I had Jalen Green Jaden Springer Jalen Johnson Evan Mobley Zay Williams I also had Caleb Love in that tier um 
And then, um, like, like I was like in between maybe and probably not was Garuba, who I, I'd wave on, but I wasn't sure. Um, I think you could even make a case for someone like Scotty Barnes or Moody. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd take I Lamelo over or whoever you have one. I know you have Ant. Um, I'd take my number one which is Lamelo over them. But yeah, like, like, I mean, a lot of guys you could pretty make a you could make a strong case are the best prospect in this class. And, yeah. and like be convincing. That's just an indictment of this class and just an example of how incredibly strong next year's class. Is. Oh, and that's without even mentioning Deuce McBride. Well, I thought that was <laughs> that was implied. Known. That was implied. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I thought about this. Like, I think Caleb Love is about my cutoff. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I, I've I, I seen... seriously consider him number one. Just because I've only seen Love once, fun. and based so off fun. that, I wouldn't. But I need, to, I need to see more of him. He's so much fun. I love Caleb Love. Shout out to my friend Trevor, who's who's the Caleb Love guy. Okay. Uh, next from uh, at Haynes XIV. Um, what are uh, your thoughts on the Knicks passing on a point guard in this class and doubling down on three and D ish wings? Uh, throws out Vassell and Desmond Bain to put around RJ and Mitch. Um, I think it depends on which point guard. Because if you can get someone like Lamelo. Or even like Killian, I say I say no way because I think we're both in agreement that RJ is nowhere near primary. It is not the guy to build your team around, and the Knicks desperately need one of those guys. But I don't. But I think it could like like if there's genuinely like none of those guys available where they pick, um, then I think it could be fine to surround to just like get a good player. Um, I, I mean, we talked about this kind of before how we take into the to take into account future classes because i mean um i mean the knicks are probably gonna be bad next year <laughs> probably gonna get a very high pick next year um and they're gonna get a shot at a creator next year but then again if there's someone like Lamelo or killian maybe even cole anthony um available i would i'd go for them but i mean i think like like if there's nobody there i'd, I'd rather get like a solid contributor than than like I don't know like like Kyra Lewis or RJ maybe I don't know. yeah I I think it's a good idea I think the only guy that I'd be really enthused about if I were the Knicks would be Lamelo um just because I think he's the the one guy who really has those like mega creator um outcomes there uh otherwise i would shy away from a guy who's who's like strictly a point guard so that doesn't mean like i i would be interested in ant for them um but i would be fairly concerned about killian hayes there like i unless you think rj is like an on the ball creator like that which i don't um i would be pretty concerned about putting killian there like i don't think that's a good situation for him uh i wouldn't i would not want cole anthony there uh, I think that would be a really, really bad situation in in many ways. I mean, one, he'd be relied upon to play on the ball a lot and make a lot of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, talk about places with, with lacking spacing that would rival North Carolina. I mean, the Knicks are, the Knicks are, are like, as bad as it gets in the NBA. Um, so I wouldn't like that. I think if I, – I really like the idea of going for a wing for them. Um, or really just any, I guess, I guess wing, because you, I mean, if you're, if you're thinking of Mitch as like a core player, yeah. you don't want another big, but yeah, I like the idea a lot going for a wing. And then I would take some sort of other shot on, um, a creator. So whether that's Grant Riller later, 
whether that's I mean the the Knicks for all of their for all of their faults actually have a pretty successful international scouting department like maybe they're Bulmaro guys that could definitely be a creator upside pick but aside from Lamelo I don't I don't think that's a good environment for any of the like top guards really um so I I would definitely I think that's a good idea. Go yeah, ahead, I think doubling win. down on like Vassell or Pat Will and then like Grant Riller would be pretty ideal for them. I mean, just they, they have two firsts, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we yeah, I think they this. have a Clippers pick, right? Yeah, yeah. From Marcus Morris. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you can land Bomaro or Riller with that late one and then get like a really solid wing, hopefully they actually get a good one and don't take like a certain Aaron B. Smith and, and take and take Vassell or like a Coro or. But I mean, that. even, even Neesmith, like I wouldn't take Neesmith obviously like with their first pick, but I mean, if you get Neesmith, just like a guy who, who is going to reliably space at least on that team. Yeah, that's uh, going to be valuable. Cause yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's not a throwaway pick. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like the idea a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to move on to our next question. Yep. Yep. All right, so this is from at CZO Spyro. Are there any players you would like in a much different role in the NBA compared to their current role at the lower level? An example would be Bomaro. Could he play lead guard slash primary initiator, or can any other wing size guy slide down to the slide down to the point spot with some success? And um, yeah, so Bomaro, yeah, that's that's the appeal to me. I mean, I don't really think that's a difference. Like that was his role uh, this past year. With, with both um, Barcelona senior team and Barcelona two uh, was not his role in the past, not not at FIBA. Um, so yeah, for him. And then I don't think there are a lot of guys that work in that direction of wing down to creator, no. um, but there are a ton that work in the opposite way where they're creators that are no longer creators. Um, so in that group, I've got Nico, uh, Tyrese Halberton, Desmond Bain, those guys were all like lead guards basically for their college teams. And I don't think that um, any of them will be in the NBA though. They could all find success in the NBA in uh, less creation heavy roles. And then I also threw Sadiq Bay in that not really lead guard, but big time college creator who I think has no chance to do that in the NBA. Yeah. I had um, also had uh, Hallie. Um, I had Cole Anthony um, as someone who's going to be less of a creator. Um, and then like, like just some more guys who, I want to see in different roles. You, you have Jaden, who um, just playing pretty exclusively off ball, attacking attacking off the catch like that, as we've talked about before. And then I had um, Ant, Anthony Edwards, who so someone who plays allowed to play more off the ball and maybe learns to play more off the ball, but not as not as extreme of a role change just as, as as like the Hallie and the Cole and the Nico. I didn't have Nico, but Nico works there. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys I didn't have, but like. Onyeka Kongwu um, playing less two big alignments, playing yeah. less drop. Uh, I mean, that's just like that's a, a bit of a role change, but it's not it's not significant. Uh, but I mean, then again, like doing doing probably more face up scoring um, potentially, uh, but not not a huge one. I, I I think there are not a lot of guys that go in the direction of like not creating to creating because yeah you know if if you're capable of doing that at lower levels you're going to be doing it because those guys are hard to come by like even isaac okoro who you know i've i've definitely talked up as a guy with some creation equity like 
Auburn eventually relented and was relying on him a lot to create offense because he was like the best offensive creator on that team. Um, like, like even guys like that, where you don't think of them in that way, like it, it eventually shifts toward that because those guys are so hard to come by. Yeah. All right. So I think that is, that's, that's good for this one. Yeah. Next we have from at Dirk underscore Diggler two uh, prospect. You've been most wrong about and why. All right, so I uh, went with Cam Reddish, who oh. I had at about 20 last year, which was way too low uh, in hindsight. Um, I think, well, I mean, along with me, like like we, like you kind of talked about earlier, that was too hard on on the side of don't draft not good bas- like draft good players, too hard on the opposite of that because Cam really did struggle. But I think the other lesson that it taught me was how it was the importance of pre-college sample. And how that wasn't anything I relied on at all with Cam. I, I didn't consider it at all. And because, I mean, I mean injury concerns aside that we really had no way of knowing about. Um, there's a guy with his tools and someone who had an evidently good shooting projection, shooting like eight threes per hundred, um, someone with versatility, who is probably pretty evidently going to be a good shooter and a good defender at six foot eight, was someone I should have valued a lot higher than I did. Um Someone, or I mean, maybe not a lot higher, but so, someone who I don't feel comfortable having as low as I did, and someone who I would have been higher had I went and dug back into the pre-college sample and just valued more context differently, and then again more less of like an emphasis on draft good players. Yeah, my thing with Cam and and I I liked him a good bit. Um, was that I would kind of take issue with the idea that he well no he was he was kind of bad, but but he was he was a good defensive prospect like he was he was i think like a very good defensive prospect yeah that's i think i underrated his defense that's that's where the appeal was yeah. for me that he was like a really good defensive prospect like he was a very good team defender with good size who like m- had pretty decent movement skills and also took a ton of threes like the the idea of him to me was was you know at as that sort of role playing wing who's a really strong team defender and will just have value on offense by virtue of taking a lot of threes. Like the creator stuff, like he played some point guard this year. Like that's that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like like can't Cam can't create like that. But uh yeah, I I I kind of think that Cam weirdly fit into the like good player uh classification on account of his defense. But I I mean he he was like like yeah. I, I mean he, he was like 40% on twos. I mean yeah I mean he like, yeah he was he was not it was he was not good at Duke, but but that's why I think the draft good players thing like is just kind of a misnomer. Also, yeah, like because it's not really draft good players; it's draft like people who know how to play basketball, and that's what like I think Cam knows how to play basketball. He wasn't very good at Duke, but but yeah, it's 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 drafting people who you know it's not just drafting like Paul Abua because he ha- has like good physical tools i guess it's it's drafting guys who know what they're doing on a basketball court they don't necessarily have to be like brilliant high impact guys right now but it's about guys who have genuine basketball skills whether that be intelligence or just like functional athleticism like if you're a crazy two-foot leaper but you need a, a, a wild amount of space and you can't jump off of one like that's not a very functional basketball skill but you know if if you if you are a like guy who can explode off one through contact like that that has value so i think the draft good players thing should be like renamed i guess to 
draft like functional basketball skills. And draft in that sense, in that sense, you won't you won't miss on uh, on Cam Reddish. Yeah. All right. So who did you have? Um, okay, so I stupidly didn't do guys from from pre from previous years. I just did oh. uh, guys this year who I've changed my opinion on. Oh, okay. um, in in hindsight, I I think I interpreted the question uh, incorrectly. But I've got two categories of guys. Uh, first are three guys who I think just got a lot better uh, between high school and college slash their most recent international season. So I've got Killian Hayes, R.J. Hampton, and Pat Williams. Uh, Killian Hayes, huge athletic improvement, um, improvement as a pull-up shooter, as a space creator uh, for those pull-ups. Um, massive, massive improvements as a defensive player. Uh, and it's just like wildly changed what I think about him as a prospect from like a fringe lottery guy to comfortably tier one. RJ Hampton, huge improvements as a decision maker. Uh, just frankly, a way better, way better athlete than I thought he was. Uh, really, really explosive first step. Um, people can't stay in front of him. Um, and then Pat Williams, if there's a lot to be said for being wing sized young and just like not bad, because that's kind of what I think Pat was before this year. And he just got a lot better at everything quickly. I should have, I also should have watched Pat more. Like it was, it was, I think a little hard to come by his film, but, uh, I don't think if you're that size and that age for your class and Patrick Williams is the youngest uh, NCAA player in the class, um, being like bland is probably a good thing. Like it's kind of along the same lines as the argument for Teo Maladon that like he was okay uh, playing on a really good team overseas. Um, so like there's something to be said for that. Like not standing out negatively when you're that young is probably a good thing. Um, so I think that that, that's kind of where I missed on Pat. Uh, and then the one that I was just wrong about was Zeke Naji early in the year. Um, for whatever reason, I didn't think that he was very quick. Uh, like he was very mobile. He's, he's extraordinarily mobile. Uh, I don't think I appreciated, um, his shooting upside. And, uh, I thought that he was, uh, a worse awareness guy than he is. Like, he's definitely not a brilliant player but like when plays are unfolding in front of him like he can make rotations uh he's not disastrous in that regard um so i think i just i i was wrong about zeke at first uh just you know got got portions of the evaluation incorrect uh now i like him a good bit as a as a you know rotation big um but i think that we'll talk about that a little more later mm-hmm. um Ben, with that, do you, should we cut this first episode now, or do you want to do like one more? Uh, let's do one more. I think we can go a little longer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because we're gonna have catching eye and stuff in part two. So. All right. So let's do this last one. Um, this is from at Jared underscore Olick, I believe. If the Warriors keep their pick, is it is the better to swing on star potential and he lists Ant, Lamelo, etc., or to play it safe and get a player they know can contribute to high level play, such as a Kongwu? Um, I'm a big advocate for the Warriors trading out. Uh, if I were them, I would want um, NBA players right now, and those guys aren't really in this draft. Um, so I, I think even like trading number one for a package of players is something that would appeal a lot to me where you just built like their big problem is that they don't have a rotation of NBA players. So if you could trade that pick for like three or four 
like solid guys, I would do that. Um, and you can, they're in a very interesting spot and maybe this will come into play um, in a future episode of ours, but uh, with the Iguodala trade exception and with the ability to sign um, the whatever their, their first pick is, and then trade him a month later using his salary to match, I think that they could bring in a large quantity of talent. And I think that that would be advisable. However, if they are going to keep the pick, yeah, I would go for someone who can fill some sort of a role immediately. And that doesn't necessarily mean someone who's like, I generally thought of as like a safe player, but just someone who can fill a role. And the guys I have for that would be definitely Onyeka. Uh, Okoro, I think would fit really nicely there. Um, especially uh, with his cutting ability. Uh, I And then like, the two guys that I think are going to be the unintuitive picks that I have are Denny and Anthony Edwards, because I think that those guys could fill like relatively small roles in the short term. And especially with Edwards, where he's thought of as like the, you know, boomer bust guy, I think that he could fill a nice role there. Like I, I, I think that, um, you know, he, he would actually take to that pretty well. Uh, and then, especially because like they've had a, they've had success with someone like Clay Thompson, who's not necessarily a a high field player, but they've turned him into just like a, um, you know, locked on an individual assignment, being very aggressive, playing individual defense, uh, getting the most out of that while he's not you know the strongest team defender, and then just like you know a lot a lot of motion. I think that sort of stuff would be very good for Edwards. Um, so I think it's just about drafting a guy who can fill a role in the short term. Like, I don't, I don't think LaMelo can really fill a role for them in the short term. Like that would be a concern for me, even if long-term, I think that's a like good spot for him to develop physically. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar thing. I had a couple, yeah. I I mean, assuming they're going to have a top pick and and pick high. Um, the first guy that I said was Ant for us, like, like you said, someone who one can contribute uh, right now because they can zone him into an off-ball role, have him take advantage of his cutting, hopefully teach him some better um, just off-ball habits coming off the screens and things like that. And then in the long term, he also fits what you want in a top pick as someone who has a higher end outside as a creator or a potential engine. So, so he fits you both in the short term in the long term. And then I also own Yeka, who, like, like we said, just someone who is the best bet in this class to be just a good NBA player. The Warriors really, really need good NBA players badly. Um, yeah, and I mean, they've been yeah. trying to find good bigs for like the, half a like, decade. Like, and, and all the ones they, they have get hurt. Like, like Kevon Looney is pretty solid, but he's he's had injury issues. I mean... Uh, and that's kind of the only one, I guess. I mean, th- th- they've ran through like Marquise Chris and like yeah. Jones. The thing I'll say about Onyeka for them, it's like you can find a big man for really cheap who can fill like a kind of minor role. Because if we we're talking about these guys filling minor roles on their, say, their rookie deals, like you can find that big. Yeah. Whereas like if you're using Edwards as, you know, like a aggressive on-ball defender, and you know like very very like uniquely powerful cutter and then maybe with bench units some creation like that guy's pretty hard to find i would say uh just like lying around so maybe that's a case against onyeka but i mean just of these guys like who i'm confident in stepping in being okay um onyeka is definitely up there although i do i do worry about him 
defending centers in the short term. Like yeah, he, he's right. pretty weak in the upper body. Um, and his size is okay, but it, it definitely a little undersized. Like, I mean, yeah. if you want to see the like pitfalls of Onyeka Kongu as a center right now, like go watch what uh, Isaiah Stewart did to him. Like Isaiah Stewart, not, not really an NBA big man, but uh, did bad, bad things to Onyeka Kongu because he's just such a, such a strength monster uh and so yeah. long yeah then lastly i mean i like Lamelo for the warriors long term i think like you said he fits what they want to do eventually and i think he can actually add some value initially just with his passing with second units like he, like he'll contribute that way but i don't I, I dislike the inverse a lot i dislike i don't think the warriors are great for Lamelo, just because Lamelo is like if, if he's not going to be allowed to run a, a lot of high pick and rolls just considering that's not something the warriors do as much as many other teams, someone who's not going to be given offensive command. Um, yeah, just not a developmental spot I love as much for Lamelo. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would, if you're keeping the pick and not trading it, I think for a lot of teams in this draft, I, I would advocate trading out of the top of the draft. Um, I would go with Anthony Edwards. That, that That's the guy who I'd try to get for the Warriors, just for short and long-term uh, fit. At this point, do the Warriors even have enough creation for Halliburton to work because like they they might not like after Steph they're yeah I, I mean that's a good yeah I mean Steph I mean obviously Steph is incredible and we both absolutely adore him and think incredibly highly of him but he's getting up there in age and well no but you, you just you need been... like two guys you know yeah, ahead I... of Tyrese Halliburton in the pecking order and like I like <laughs> no no and, and I mean, Clay is just like yeah, not Clay, not a creator like that. I mean, I think, I think they have like I mean, I their infrastructure is probably better than any other of the top teams to to make it work. Yeah, I, I also just I mean, I wouldn't spend a top five pick. No, on, yeah, on and and they they yeah. they will have a top five pick there because they're they have the number one lottery odds. So yeah, as long as they can fall as five. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not great. Um, trade down. I would say take Ant. Otherwise, if, trade out. Uh, trade trade out. Yeah. Just, they're just they're like the it. one team this year like like everyone should always be looking to like trade back probably except when you can get like a you know concrete superstar level prospect um and a lot of teams this year should be looking to trade back but like the warriors are the team that should trade out like they should get good players right now yeah it's just find a team that needs that needs a killian hayes or an anthony Edwards. i mean not really killian because he's not going to go that high in real life it's who needs a little ball or something like that and yeah and, and get some good nba players exactly um all right you want to call it on part one and then we'll... yeah i think we'll wrap up part one here um no post-production this time we're doing it yeah. in real time um thank you guys so much for listening to the episode um part two will be out on wednesday you can follow me at ben underscore pfeiffer underscore on twitter follow max at max a carlin follow the pod at prep number two pro pod keep reviewing uh leaving five stars subscribing all that stuff has been great really really helps us um yeah anything else max nope that's it all right um we'll see you guys on wednesday